Great to see you. My name's Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our teaching team. And uh, it's great to continue our series uh, here. We're wrapping up. We've got this week and next in this We Are Here series. If you see any of our staff people um, or our elders, you will notice two things. One is they look very tired and the other is they look very happy. And that is because we had a huge privilege as a staff and elder team to be able to go uh, Wednesday to Saturday. We did a retreat down in Juarez, Mexico. Isn't that where everybody goes for a retreat? Down to Juarez. And uh, we were able to do that, and it was really great. And you may remember, if you were here last year, every year for Christmas, we do a Christmas offering where we give to a few important causes. And last year, one of the things you gave to was to our partners in Juarez. We partner with missions ministries and about a half dozen churches they're connected to there, uh, just outside of the city, kind of in this area that's very poor and very run down. And so we partner with them. And, and what you gave last year in the Christmas offering was you gave um, funds to be able to expand their team center so that more teams can come down there and stay and do work and do mission in that community. And so we actually had the, the privilege of building the, uh, the, the dorms that you paid for. And so that's what we got to do. We got to go down there, and it was just really, really fun. We got a few pictures of some stuff that was going on there. It was a great camaraderie time, but also just a really fun trip to be able to build some stuff and uh, see some neat things uh, happen along the way. We got to go to a church service at one of the churches that, you again, you helped pay for, and some of you actually went to uh, to help construct, and so we got to be part of that. We got to be part of the distribution of diapers and formula. Um, it's just an amazing thing. Ten years ago in this uh, community, the infant mortality rate for babies under six months was 25%. One in four babies died of malnutrition or of some sort of disease that came from just reusing diapers over and over and over. Some parents actually were not even naming their children because it's easier to bury an unnamed child. Ten years later, that rate is now zero because of a ministry there, yeah. And so we send teams down every March, every October, and before we do that, we always ask you to give diapers and to give formula. We got to be there as we distributed that and blankets and toys and stuffed animals. Uh, we got to hear incredible stories of just how God is working, and so thank you so much for allowing us to be part of that. And uh, I hope that uh, just as you talk to any of the folks on staff, you ask them about the trip. And uh, it's basically spring break, fall break. If you ever want to go down yourself, it's really an incredible time and really fun to experience. So uh, thank you for allowing us to do that and be part of it. As it relates to Christmas offering, that makes sense to kind of tell you what we're doing for this year. So this year for the Christmas offering, we're going to again collect that on the Christmas services, December 23rd and 24th. But you can give to that anytime online. And the two particular causes this year that we're giving to are foster care and adoption and ministry interns. Foster care and adoption and ministry interns. So for foster care and adoption, a lot of you are involved in this, and the resources that relate to that will go toward helping mobilize people in the church community in Arizona who are not currently in foster care and adoption, but maybe should consider it. So we'll mobilize them. We'll help support people within Redemption and within Gateway who are fostering because you know if you're doing that, it is hard work and you need support and we want to help support that. And then we also wanted to provide support for families that are kind of at risk of actually losing their kids into the system because of some of the choices and lifestyle and things that they're doing. So that's what that foster care and adoption part goes to. And then the last part goes to ministry interns. We're excited to try to bring on four to six part-time 
full-time ministry interns, younger people, older people, people who are trying to kick the tires on ministry and figure out whether God might be leading them into leadership in the local church. And so we're excited to be able to do that, and that's what we'll be going toward this year. All right, so thank you for your generosity. Thanks for how you always give to this and how you continue to support the work that we do. As I think about this trip uh, from last week, I just think, you know, one of the highlights was there was a moment where one of the women on our staff, she, she came up to me and she said, hey, it feels like these churches here are the best friend their community has. And I was like, yeah, it does. See, we went down there not just to try to serve them, but actually to learn from them. Because they are the best friend that community has. If those churches went away, there would literally be people who would not be able to see. Because one of the things those churches do is they provide a medical clinic that provides glasses for people who oftentimes have never had any kind of corrective lenses in their whole lives. If that place went away, there would be women who are experiencing domestic violence who wouldn't really have a place to go. We went to this incredible women's home it felt like this embassy of the kingdom of God as you walked in, this safe place for people who, for women who are escaping domestic violence. If that church went away, everyone in the community would feel it. And so that just really resonated with us because that's what we're talking about in this series is how do we be the best friend that our community has? When we look 10 years from now, would it be possible that we could be the best friend our community had? See, what they are and what we're aspiring to be, and I think by God's grace are, but are trying to become even more so, is, is they're, they're what we call pink spoon people. Pink spoon people. Now you go, I haven't heard that phrase until today when I walked in and I just see these pink spoon shirts everywhere. What are you talking about? Well, this is a phrase that we use around here, and, and here's essentially the picture of it. Is imagine you decide to go out for ice cream. Isn't that a glorious thing to decide? I'm going out for ice cream. The only problem is you get there and there are just so many options. 31 flavors, you got to decide waffle cone, cake cone, cup, ah, what do I do, one scoop, two scoops, ah, too many choices. The, the good news is there's an option, which is that you can usually say to the people, can I have a sample? And the glory of this, this is remarkable, is they get out a little pink spoon, and they don't go back into the weak old ice cream. You know, the old stale ice cream. No, they get into the fresh ice cream, the very taste of exactly what you're going to have if you have a full cone of it. But they give you just a little taste of it, and they say, here, have some you know, salted caramel, have some cookies and cream, have some milk, it's a mint chocolate chip. And you get a taste of it. And it's a taste of what is to come if you order it. Here's the thing. We're to be a pink spoon people. Offering the people around us, offering the world around us a taste of the kingdom of God. Here's the kind of freedom you could have with Jesus as your Lord. Here's the kind of forgiveness you could experience with Jesus as your Lord. Here's how you could experience reconciliation in your relationships with Jesus as Lord. Here's the kind of peace in a time of anxiety you could have with Jesus as Lord. Here, get a taste of the kingdom of God. We want to be pink spoon People. That's why we've printed up these t-shirts, and so if you would like one of these t-shirts, we would love for you to have one. Uh, they're out at the info desk. You can pick them up there. They're just 10 bucks. Here's the only thing I would ask you is if you are going to buy a Pink Spoon People t-shirt, try to be a Pink Spoon person, okay? If you're a jerk, please do not buy one. Now, we're not going to, we don't have any 
like test questions to discern that. That's, you have to self-regulate that, okay? So if you just go, I probably shouldn't wear this in public, then you know, get it and sleep in it, but don't wear it in public. <laughs> but, but we'd love for you to have one of those. You can pick that up out there. And uh, one of the things I love about it is I think it's just kind of intriguing. I think as you wear it around, people will go, what does that mean? That's a great chance for you to say, well, let me tell you. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He's sent me to provide love and to provide the good news of the gospel. Have you ever heard it? Can I tell you about it? Right, that's what this could happen. So this is where we're trying to go. We're trying to be a pink spoon people. We're trying to be the best friend that our community has. How are we going to get there? Well, that's what we've been talking about over these last number of weeks. We've said from John 13 through 15, we need to abide in Christ. We need to remain connected to him by loving, by serving, by praying. We need to... Do those things like pink spoon people, staying connected to the source of the kingdom of God, abiding in Jesus. But we need to make some commitments too. We will not drift into being the best friend our community has. We will not wake up and accidentally find ourselves having become pink spoon people. We have to head that direction intentionally. So that's why we've been asking you to prayerfully consider making five commitments. These are the same five commitments that we asked people to make 10 years ago when they started this church. And so we said, what were the things we asked people when we were starting out with a missionary mindset as a church plant? What did we ask people to do? Why don't we ask people to do that 10 years later? And so that's what we're doing. So next week, what's going to happen is you're going to come and if you get in your program, there's going to be a commitment card and it's going to have these five commitments on it. And this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to commit to coming on a regular basis in 2019. Come to church and come to some other kind of community. Maybe a redemption community with its co-ed, maybe a men's fight club, maybe a women's table, whatever it is. Come to some sort of small group gathering and be part of the gathering of the church. We're asking you not only to come, but we're asking you to go. To go as a missionary to your circle of influence. To be a pink spoon person where God has sent you. We're asking you also to commit to inviting people. Now, this is where you got to think this through. Where do I invite them? Well, what would be good for them? Should you invite them over for dinner? Should you invite them to some sort of small group gathering? Should you invite them to something like a chili cook-off? Should you invite them to Christmas Eve? Should you invite them on a Sunday? Should, but, but just inviting people into the life of the church. We're also asking you to commit to serve to have some meaningful way in the church or in the community where people are counting on you. And oftentimes, people who are counting on you who can't really repay you. So you have an area of service. Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, maybe it's at home, maybe it's at the church, maybe it's out in the community, but some area where you're serving. And finally, we want to ask you to commit to give, to give financially so that your heart would be engaged in this mission and so that the resources would be available to follow as God leads. So that's what we're asking you to do. And if you are willing to make those commitments, what we'll do next week is we'll have a time in our service as we pray and as we praise, we'll actually have a time where we invite you to come forward after communion and to drop those commitment cards into a basket as a way of you know, physically saying, yes, I'm committing to this. Yes, I'm going to be part of this. So in the next week, please pray about that. We'd love to have you join us and be part of that. We're calling it, if you make that commitment, we're calling you the 2019 launch team. And we'd love to have you be part of that with us. So that's what we're doing next week. The question today then is what does it look like to be a pink spoon people? What does it look like to be a pink spoon people? If, if that's what we're dreaming about, what, what does that look like? And, and where does that even, where's that idea come from? Well, it comes from the passage that we looked at just a moment ago. If you have your Bible, look again 
at John 15, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Back in chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but hey, hold on, it's okay, I'm gonna send a helper, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to fill you and guide you. And one of the things he says here, the spirit will do is will bear witness about Jesus. The spirit will remind Christians who Jesus is. The spirit will bear witness about Christ But how will he do it? Well, verse 27, he will do it through his people. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says you will be a witness. You will bear witness. A witness is someone who says, here's something I've seen. Here's something I experienced. Here's something I've, uh, I, I know is true because I, I saw it. Not because I created it, not because I made it happen, but because I I saw it. I I experienced it. This is true. That's what a witness does. In the same way, a spoon, you know, the pink spoon doesn't make the ice cream. It merely delivers the ice cream. And so we're not called to be the people who create the kingdom of God, who create the good news of the gospel, but rather who have experienced it and testify about it with our lives and with our words. I hope you know that if you're a follower of Christ, it's not that you were great And therefore, through your morality and through your conviction and through your devotion and through your hard work, God suddenly became impressed with you. No, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, who's rich in mercy, raised you up with Christ. That's your story if you're a follower of Christ. It's not that you're great. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not great. Some of you liked that a little too much, didn't you? And the other person was like, yeah, you're not so hot yourself. Yeah, you're not great. And in a world that wants to tell you, oh, you're great, you're so great, you're so great, you're so great. Listen, you are made in God's image. But you've distorted that image through sin. And God, in his mercy in Christ, has pursued you and called you to himself and made you new. And so your job isn't to like talk and and show, oh, look at me. It's rather to say, look at him. Bear witness. That's what it is to be a pink spoon people. So we're going to look at tonight three things of what it looks like to be a pink spoon people. Notice I'm not saying a pink spoon person, a pink spoon people. Collectively, together, we bear witness to the glory and majesty of Jesus. So that's where we're gonna go, look at three things that indicate what it looks like to be a pink spoon people. Uh, Before we get there, let's pray. Father, fill us with your spirit that we could read and understand your word and that we could live lives of love, lives of holiness, lives of courage that we could be your faithful witnesses even to the ends of the earth, we pray in Christ's name, amen. So what does it look like to be a pink spoon people? What does it look like to be a faithful witness to Jesus? Well, number one, it looks like sacrificial love for one another. We will be a pink spoon people if we have sacrificial love for one another. Now, I know some of you are like going, oh my gosh, 
he's talking about loving one another again? Does he talk about anything else? No. No. You go, well, could you move on? No. Because this is what Jesus talks about over and over and over and over. This is the nail that Jesus just keeps hammering. Love one another. In fact, in this passage, in chapters 13 through 15, before what we, where we are here, he has already said to love one another five times. Let me show you the first three. It's in John 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you get it? Apparently we don't, because Jesus says, you need to keep hearing this. You have to love one another. And if you love one another, listen, here's what that means. You need to love as I've loved, Jesus says. Well, how does Jesus love? Jesus serves. Jesus sacrifices. So we're to have a sacrificial love for one another. And what happens if we do? Do you notice the end of that passage? What happens if we sacrificially love one another? By this, all people will know. Not by our pink spoon t-shirts. Not by a bumper sticker. Not by you blaring K-love in the car with your windows down. They will know you are a disciple if you love. It's been just amazing in the last couple months. I've had some conversations with Mark Andrus, who's our care pastor. And he says, man, I'm just blown away by this church. And I'm a little nervous that I'm not going to have a job. And I said, what do you mean? And I said, well... You know, uh, I've had these moments, three or four situations, where I've called somebody up who's going through some kind of illness or a chronic thing, or maybe they got a bad diagnosis, or maybe they had, you know, an emergency in their house, they had to move out, and, I, and I've called to say, hey, we're praying for you, and we want to be able to provide some support and some help and some meals, and we just want to be able to do some things for you. What can we do? And he said, I, I just keep hearing back from the people, well, we really appreciate that, but actually our small group is already taking care of all of it. And he's going, so I'm, I'm kind of nervous I'm not going to have a job here <laughs> if everybody just keeps loving like this. Wouldn't that be great? Not to get rid of Mark's job, but... <laughs> and listen, not everybody's in a small group, unfortunately. And so what happens is when the chronic thing happens to you or the diagnosis happens to you, you're kind of on your own. And fortunately, someone like Mark is there and we have resources we can help. But man, I just love that. That the church body is rallying around people in their time of need. That feels like what Jesus is talking about. That feels like being pink spoon people. This is why you should be in community. So that when the, 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 the walls start crumbling around your life, there's support, there's help. But this is also why you should be in community. So that when the walls are crumbling around other people's lives, you can be Jesus to them. And you know what might happen? That diagnosis might be chronic. And it might not get better, and it might not get better, and there might not be progress. And you might have to move from love to sacrificial love. And it might actually be the very way that Jesus forms his character in you. And it might also be the kind of thing that the world starts to notice. Wow, I don't, I don't see that kind of love anywhere else. Pink spoon people are filled with sacrificial love for one another. What does it look like to be a pink spoon people? Well, secondly, it looks like showing a contrast to the world. 
showing a contrast to the world. In John 15, Jesus indicates that his people will be out of step with the world. Look at what it says back in chapter 15, starting in verse 18. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, I fully expect that people will notice that you're not like everybody else because you're not of this world. If you were of this world, if you had the same values, if you had the same affections, if you had the same habits, if you had the same approach to money and to sex and to relationships and to technology and to family and to culture and to politics, if you just looked exactly like the world, no one would notice and no one would care. But I fully expect, Jesus says, that you will not look like the world, that you will look different. There will be a contrast. And some people will be really intrigued by that, and they'll ask questions, and other people will go, I hate that. I don't like that. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than us? That kind of thing. And when that happens, Jesus says, hey, listen, they're not hating you. They're hating me. The question is, are we different? Get this. Not weird. Like, hey, you can't ever wear pants, ladies. You have to always wear dresses and skirts, and you can't see movies, and you can't listen to anything with a beat, and make sure you turn your own butter. And Not weird. <laughs> not weird. Not strange. But is there something distinctive about us as the people of God? Jesus says there should be. Now, here's what's so fascinating when you think about this, because I was thinking about this in, in, when we were in Juarez, thinking about the, most of the ministry there is done by the local people, but there are a few missionary-type folks. And I was thinking, what makes a faithful missionary? And then I thought, well, Jesus was the ultimate faithful mi- missionary, wasn't he? Here's what's fascinating. If you're going to be a faithful missionary, you need to be enough like the people that they feel like you get them. But you have to be enough different from them that they go, huh, there's something to this. Do you get that? That's that's why Jesus didn't come as a buffalo. He came as a man so that he could live like his people. And, and, And think about it. This blows my mind. When Jesus went back to Nazareth, he's he's been doing miracles, he's been teaching, and Jesus was so normal that when Jesus went back to Nazareth, they weren't buying that he was the Messiah. Think about that. I mean, don't you think Jesus would show up and they'd be like, well, yeah, he won most likely to be Messiah in high school. Like, <laughs> of course. Like, he was super weird. Like, even his family was like, I don't know. I mean, that's a normal dude. And yet, when people heard him teach, and when people saw the authority he had, they said, there's no one like this. So if we're going to be faithful, we need to be a contrast, not a weird contrast, but enough like people that they could look at us and go, you know what, if I were a Christian, I think I'd be like Kevin. If I were a Christian, I think I'd be like Julie. I don't know, but, but I could sort of see myself like that. But different enough that it makes them ask questions. So what would that look like? 
I've thought about a few different scenarios. What would it look like? Well, for one thing, think about how it might interact, how we relate to culture. We wouldn't be people who just totally abstain from culture, who don't watch any movies, who don't watch any TV, who don't, watch any, who don't listen to any music, who don't know anything about sports. We wouldn't do that because we'd want to have some ability to relate. But in a world that's just filled with triviality about all that stuff, we'd also have the ability to have some depth. To be able to talk about things that aren't just what are you binging on Netflix, but hey, what are your hopes and dreams and fears? To be fluent in that kind of substance. This is what I love about the RC that I'm part of, the, the small group, is, is we just go from trivial to substantial, just back and forth all the time, and I love it. And listen, most people in the world, they only get trivial. And they're longing for more. One of our pastors went about a year ago to, I believe it was a bachelor party, and he just had a conversation with a guy for about a half hour. He was just asking him questions. Where do you work? Why do you do? How did you get into that? What do you like about it? What do you not like? If, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Just kind of not that deep of questions. And the guy told him after, he's like, this was really great. I can't remember the last time I had a conversation this deep. It's a huge opportunity to be a pink spoon person. So yeah, know the culture stuff enough to be fluent in it, but don't know it so much that that's what dominates your life. How would pink spoon people relate to money? Well, everybody needs money, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, you gotta use money. But the question is not, do you have to use money? The question is, are you gonna be someone who's ruled by money? Who's enslaved to money? So you would be just like everybody else. You would pay your bills and you would work hard and you might go on vacation and you might save for a nice big purchase and you might give Christmas presents that are really great. You might even upgrade your phone, you know, use money for stuff you like. But you also, as a contrast community, you might be someone who says, you know what, I could get that, but I don't need it. So I'm not gonna. You know that time when you think, oh, I really need this, and you pull up Amazon Prime, and you look for it, and you're like, oh, it's like 18 bucks, perfect, I'll just, it'll be in my house in seven minutes. <laughs> like, when was the last time you went, no, don't need it? I could, like, it wouldn't be sin to do it, it wouldn't be bad to do it, but like, I, I don't need it. Right? I hesitate even to use real specific examples because you'll start thinking, oh, he's saying this is bad to do and this is bad. I'm just saying, is there ever a time when you could do something financially and you don't because you're just content with what you have? If not, you don't look different from the world. Do you give away significant, huge, ridiculous, absurd, the kind of amount of money that if people knew that weren't Christians that you gave that much away, they'd go, you're crazy. Do you do that? I hope you do. And I hope when you get the statement from the organizations that you send it to, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, imagine what I could have done with that money. I can't wait to give more next year. That's a, that's a different way. Or what about pink spoon people? How would we think about politics? Some of y'all just woke up. Yeah, how would we think about politics? Listen, you'd follow the news, but you wouldn't be emotionally ruled by it. You'd vote. You'd, you'd pay attention. You might even belong to a political party. Right? You, you would be able to talk about these things. You, you'd have opinions and you'd have you know, public policy ideas maybe even. But if you're going to be a pink spoon person, you also would have some things that you would disagree with your political party about. 
Listen, if you are just walking lockstep with your political party and there's not one thing you disagree with them about, you are likely having more allegiance to the country and to your political ideals than to the kingdom. This is one of my favorite things. Gateway is such a confusing place to people who are obsessed with politics. They, they, they think they, they, they make all these assumptions, but they don't get us. And I love it. We are an equal opportunity offender. Like we are hard to pin down because if you're really, really conservative, you go, man, I, I think they're kind of, cause they're like moral and they emphasize the truth, but yeah, but they also, they talk about racial reconciliation and about compassion and mercy to the immigrants and to the undocumented people. Ugh, I don't, where are those guys? And then if you're kind of more progressive and you're like a committed Democrat, you go, well, gosh, they, I love kind of the justice and mercy emphasis they have. Like, that seems really good. But gosh, they're so restrictive on sexuality. And they believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, and that's it. And they believe there actually is sin in the world and evil and good. It's a very confusing. Listen. We should be hard to categorize politically because our allegiance is not to the parties, it's to the kingdom. That's why. And so if we want to be a contrast community, that has to be a reality. How about how it relates to family? I love that in our, in our community, we're just surrounded by people who love family. They appreciate family. Lots of people who have kids and have lots of kids and care about education and care about opportunities for their kids to develop in music and in sports and everything. Like, that's really great. And so if, 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 if we were to do family like that, we'd say, yeah, we love our kids and we look for good opportunities and we, and we do what we think, you know, is going to give them good advantages. At the same time, we'd go, you know what? My kid's not my God. And so I'm not going to do everything my kid wants. And I'm not going to go into debt so that they can pursue this thing that really is my dream through them. I'm going to be different. I'm going to say no to them. I'm going to discipline them. I'm also going to respect them more and give them more grace. And realize that in a world that's crushing them with pressure, our home's going to be a haven where they're loved and known and cared for. Right? We could go on and on about a contrast community, about how it relates to sex, how it relates to technology, how it relates to relationships, all these different things. But if we're going to be a pink spoon people, we must be a contrast community. We'll be hard to categorize, but we will be incredibly attractive. There's a kind of interesting verse in 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3.15, he says, Be prepared to always give an answer for the hope that's in you. And a lot of us go, yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. No one's asking. And I think we collectively have to ask, why is no one asking? Like, we have great answers. We could tell you about the hope, but no one's asking. Why? Is it that we look so much like them that we don't stand out? I think the reality might be if we lived a life of love with one another was sacrificial and a life of showing contrast, I think people would start to ask. And when they ask, that then gives us the opportunity for this third element of being a pink spoon people is speaking boldly about Jesus. Speaking boldly about the hope of Jesus. Jesus uses the words 
bear witness. This means we must at some point open our mouths and tell people. Right? Some people say, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And, and, and I get what you're trying to say. What you're trying to say is, be a contrast community. But why is it either or? Why can't it be both? Listen, if you aren't a contrast, if you just look like everyone else, you're a hypocrite. But if you never speak boldly, you're a coward. And Jesus wants us to be faithful and courageous, to speak boldly of the love of Jesus. This is one of the most powerful, because some, some of you go, but I don't know what to say. I'm not very fluent. I'm not very eloquent. I haven't studied all this stuff. I don't know. I, what do I do? Here's what you do. Tell your story. How has God saved you? How did God change you? This is one of the most powerful things in our time in Juarez was hearing from a number of these leaders about how God saved them. One of them, this guy whose dad died when he was three years old. By the time he was 12, he was doing the stuff that you might imagine a young man with no father in Juarez was doing. He started gangbanging and selling drugs and being part of putting hits out on other gang members and other gangs and living that life. And he told his story of how God had set him free how God had given him a new hope, and now he's still tough and he's strong. I mean, he's just everywhere he goes, he's challenging you to wrestle you. And uh, he wins every time, right? And, and he started this new gym in that area where people work out and they box and they do all sorts of stuff. And, and what does he do? What's his big, you know, go get him gospel message? It's his story. And it's absolutely powerful. What's your story? Here's the other thing you can do. We can partner together. We can work together on this. See, this isn't just about you having to be eloquent and sharing the gospel. What if you could get people around some other people who are good at doing it, who are good at talking about it, who are good at asking questions, who are good at probing? What if you could get people into a church environment? This is why when we think about our services, we're always thinking there are people here who don't normally go to church, who need this explained, who need it understood, and I hope you'll invite them. Maybe you'll invite them on Christmas. That's actually why we gave you these cards. These are maybe in your program. Maybe you got one, uh, three of these. You go, gosh, they gave me three. It's not because we think you have a really bad memory and you need to put them everywhere, but it's because we think there might be three people in your life that you go, you know what? I'm going to pray for them that they would come. I'm going to give them this card. I'm going to invite them. I, wa I want them to hear a, a gospel message, and that's what they'll hear. I'm going to preach John 3.16 on Christmas, as simple as it gets. But maybe they can't come then. Okay, have them come the next week where we're going to do an ask anything where you can text in your questions and you can ask anything you want and you can try to stump us, not that hard, and we'll try our best to answer questions from the Bible. Or you go, you know what, bring them back the next week where they hear about the glory of Jesus and how Jesus begins to change our lives as he loves us. I mean, this is just every week. It doesn't have to be the special things, but, but let's partner together, right? You, you bring them here. I'll preach the gospel. That's kind of the air war. And then you go out and take them to lunch, and that's the ground war. And together, God works on these people's hearts because you are a faithful witness because we are an, an embassy of the kingdom of God. Amen. What do you do when you eat something that's really good? Like, I, I want to hear. What, what, what do you say? What do you do? You, you take a bite of something. You go, oh, what do you do? Mm. You don't do that, Andrew. I, I know you. You don't do that. But you do go, mm, or wow. And, and you know what else you do? You eat it, you go, oh, you got to try this. 
And it's crazy because sometimes like you don't have that much of it. Right? And you ought to go, no, I mean all this to myself. But no, you, because there's something in you that I think is put there by God that when you enjoy something that is transcendently beautiful, you go, wow, you've got to try this. That's the good news of the gospel. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so we must be the people who go, wow, there's nothing like Jesus. Have you tried him? You've got to try him. As we do that, will become the best friend this community has. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for how you resurrect dead, sinful, rebellious hearts and make us new and clean us and change our lives. God, we pray that you would allow us to love one another, that you would allow us to live holy lives of contrast that might lead people to ask what our hope is. And when they do, God, help us to speak boldly about the hope of Christ. We pray in his name, amen.